Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I have an album for you guys this week that, man, this is one that I, I just really love. It really reminds me of the, the autumn season and driving from Phoenix to Vegas and back, well, with a few days in between. But this was one album that I would just put on when there's no other cars around. It's just me in the countryside because I tended to leave very early. I would leave like 4, 4.30 in the morning to leave Phoenix or Chandler where I, I was living at the time and head to Vegas. And coming back from Vegas, uh, I tended to leave a little bit early, too, because I wanted to beat traffic and just kind of have the road to myself and, and just, you know, let my mind do what it was going to do while I was driving. And this would be one of those albums that I would play. And I remember there were times where there was frost on the road because it does get cold in some areas like Kingman. Um, I remember uh, just that that chilly wind fighting the car, all kinds of things. But there was just something about that autumn season and the way the plants looked and the cactus and different uh, trees and, and things, just something about that. And then there were times where I would leave like later in the day. I had things I wanted to do before I left. And so I would leave later and I would be heading home, you know, before it really got dark. And just something about that, that autumn sunset, there's a, a glow about it that's very special to this time of year. And this would be the perfect album to listen to for me. So uh, it's all instrumental. This is the album Glassworks by Philip Glass. It's credited with the Philip Glass Ensemble, Philip Glass and Michael Reisman. And uh, it's it's got a, just a, a list of great songs on it. I'm going over today the expanded edition, which has three or four extra tracks from the In the Upper Room project that he did. I really need to hear all of these, though, because I love these tracks so much. I'd love to hear what the rest of that score was. But uh, it's it's really an amazing thing. And then when we get to one of the songs, I'm actually going to play an alternate version or part of an alternate version for you that I love very much that actually Keith Emerson from Emerson Lake and Palmer was involved in and also a very bizarre movie. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, just a quick update on where things are at for me, uh, still plugging away on the album, getting closer to it being finished and ready to start mixing. And uh, of course, I've got my Uriah Heat podcast that keeps going four episodes a week, ladies and gentlemen, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And of course, Wednesday, you get the Haskin Cast podcast. So five days a week, there's some new bit of thing that you can enjoy. And then, of course, the album will come out, the book series will come out, and there'll be even more. So trying to put as many good things in the world as I can while I'm here to do it, because, you know, especially nowadays, you just never know how things are going to go, how long they're going to last. So you got to take advantage. You got to do what works. So, um, you know, and what feels good and what you hope will help make other people feel good. Right. Because the more that we can raise the vibration of the world, the better off we're all going to be. It just makes for a happier place, longer lives, happier lives. And really, we could do more with those. We could do more for ourselves. We could do more for other people. It's just a great thing all the way around. So that being said, this album, oh, God, this album is fantastic. So I really don't have a whole lot of information on it. It was released in 1982. I don't know exactly when the expanded edition was released because I couldn't find a date that didn't, you know, jive with some other date that I found. So I kind of gave up on that as as usual. If I, you know, if, if, if I don't know what I'm saying is right or don't at least think what I'm saying is right, I don't want to say it if I know it probably isn't. So that's the most um, information I could find on it. 
The album cover itself is really interesting. It is a uh, like a bright light is being shown on a floor or a table. There's this oddly shaped piece of glass that has uh, sort of a prism in it. You can't really tell exactly what the whole shape is because for one, it's really weird. It might be pieces of glass. I'm not sure. But because of that bright white background and some of the light reflecting off of this piece of glass itself really kind of throws off what the actual shape or shapes are, because I don't think it's a regular shape by any means. I think it's something just very pieced together, but it's really cool looking. Um, you get a little bit of reflection in it, but you don't know what any of it means. And there's just his name written across the top. There's one like pole, a glass pole that's a, uh, a, a long triangle, almost like a Toberlone. And that seems to be holding everything together. And I don't know if those other pieces are just laying against it or if they're attached to it, but it's it's very weird, weird colors and shapes reflected in the glass. But it's kind of cool. It's very unique, very much like Philip Glass himself is. For those of you who are not um, too uh, aware of who Philip Glass is, he's done a lot of movie soundtracks. He's a, a very unique composer. He's what they call a minimalist composer. Now, my understanding of the minimalism is that it basically means that there are not a lot of different parts. Like in, in a song, you would hear, you know, an opening, a verse, maybe a, a bridge into the first chorus or maybe a bridge into the solo, you know, some kind of change here and there. His music, for the most part, is pretty repetitive. There are some subtle changes in some of the repetitions, but it's really meant to just be something that you put the headphones on, you just shut your eyes and let the music carry you away where it will. There are some more, um, I would say, aggressive songs on this album, and we'll be listening to those. Uh, there are a couple that I, I just absolutely love. But for the most part, that's what that kind of minimalism is. It's a lot of repetition with mild changes on some of the passes. Sometimes it's every pass, sometimes it's every other pass, but basically just here's what the song's going to be. Now here's how it's slowly going to evolve differently as it goes on. But it's a really interesting style and it's really kind of entrancing. Like it can just take a hold of your brain and say, just forget about everything. You're paying attention to this song. You're going to drift into this cloud of music and you're going to stay with it until it's over. And I like that. I like music that can allow me to listen and enjoy it without having to pay attention to every little thing that happens. Um, you can do that with his music, but you're not going to find a whole lot most of the time, because like I said, it's very repetitive with a lot of subtle changes. And I would say there's probably a lot of composers that I wouldn't necessarily want to hear that from. But for some reason, especially with this album, his style really just attracts me. I really enjoy it. And this all started because of a song called Flow, F-L-O-E, which we'll be getting to uh, in this episode. It is the second song, so we'll be getting to it soon. Um, but this song was featured in a movie called The Church. It was a very low-budget horror movie. I don't know how it all came together, but the version of Flow that is in that movie, um, it's done uh, more in an electronic style, whereas most of the stuff that you'll hear here, except for the program Yamaha DX7, is uh, actual orchestral players. You know, it's a small orchestra, just a little ensemble, really, but uh, it's it's mostly real players. So when I heard this song, and it was during a very intense scene, probably one of the best created horror movie scenes I've ever seen, I would rank it right up there with the first scene in Texas Chainsaw Massacre where you see Leatherface. That is such a powerful scene for a horror movie. I think this was just as good. Uh, the only thing that I'll say 
um, is if you get the DVD, and the, the DVD that I have, the menu of it is actually playing the song Flow, the electronic version. And apparently Keith Emerson is the one that played it and uh, or programmed it. I'm not sure. But uh, it's it's an interesting, different version. And I'll play a little bit of that for you guys when we get to the song. But uh, I don't know how it all worked out that it was in this movie, that he picked this piece, that he even had anything to do with any of it. Uh, no clue. Uh, unfortunately, I never got to meet Keith before he passed away a couple of years ago. Um, but uh, a great fan of his music, uh, a highly respected artist. Love his work with Emerson, Lake and Palmer, with the nice just uh, an incredible, incredible musician. And I, when I found out that he actually played on that version of Flow, because I did not know that for years, I was really stunned because I, I had no idea that he had anything to do with that film. So uh, the only thing I'm going to say is if it's not playing on your menu when you load the DVD, if you get it, um, I, can, I can sum up the whole scene in one word, and that is Subway. I'm not talking about the restaurant. I'm talking about the Subway that's in the movie. And uh, we'll leave it at that. I don't want to spoil the scene for you guys if you're into really cool horror movie scenes. Um, I will just say that it is one of the most well-crafted deaths I've ever seen in a horror film. Very well done. Uh, and they play this music because it really kind of, is, is, as the train is coming, uh, she kind of just gets entranced in the headlight. And you kind of feel that with the music. It's very just encapsulating. It just it just pulls you right in and you're mesmerized within that field of, of audio. It's really incredible, the power of Philip Glass's music. And he's very well known. He's done so much work over the years. But this is really the only thing I've gotten into. I have his soundtrack from the movie Dracula. And it's okay. I, I like it, but it's not... It doesn't really excite me that much. Um, it's good, but it just isn't my flavor. This is. This album really is. I, I love it. So I'm going to get into the first track. The first track is called Opening because, of course, it is. Why not? It's a beautiful piece of music. And here it is off of the album Glassworks. And this is the, the proper album. When we get to the expanded tracks, I'll make a note of that. I hope I'll remember to do that. seriously beautiful piano playing you know it's gentle where it needs to be it's a little more harsh where it needs to be emphasized uh, i love this it's a great opener for the album it's nothing that comes out and says hey you're going to be blown away it's just saying we're going to go on a journey it's already started come along for the ride and i love that now imagine that piano driving in the cooler weather you're seeing a little bit of frost on the plants um you can almost smell that crisp apple in the air. 
you know, that's what this album is for me. It's a very much an autumn album, which is why I'm covering it now. And um, and I love the song. So as you can hear, there are small repetitive segments um, all throughout the song. And then those segments are repeated over again. And that's kind of where the idea of minimalism is. This is probably a little uh, more than most of the songs on this album. There's, uh, it, it's a little bit more aggressive. And I mean that just in the way of changes and different things that it's going to do. But uh, there are, are songs where the passages are longer and they're just a little more straightforward, repetitive. So this has a lot of components in it, but it's also very simple at the same time. It's a beautiful piece of music and a great way to start the album. So that will bring us to the song that I was hyping just a few minutes ago, Flow. I will give you a little touch of it here. Um, <laughs> it's a really interesting song and, and uh, definitely one of my favorites, both versions, actually. You can hear there is a lot going on. And the first thing I notice being someone who's written classical music and and has kept this in mind is that where do people breathe? You know, they're just playing constantly. It's a, a complete organized mess. I mean, it's a mess, but it's an organized mess of sound. And you wonder, you know, these people aren't getting any kind of breathing rest. So I have the music, the sheet music to some of these and what I noticed is it basically has a lot of parts that say, you know, use two flute players, flautists, and alternate as needed. So basically, they just have to be in communication with each other or decide ahead of time how long each of them is going to play before the other one seamlessly takes over. And to allow for, you know, um, protecting yourself against fatigue or just, you know, running out of breath or whatever it's going to be, um, because... The song really just repeats like that for a good majority of it. And then there's uh, some vocals and things that come in, not not words as much as just, you know, vocal ease, vocal sounds. Um, but it's a it's a really stunning piece of music. I mean, to to look at the sheet music itself and and go, wow, to actually sit down and play this would be pretty intense, especially for the duration of the song. You know, it's not a short song by any means. So it's a lot of this. And then there's really only a couple of changes within the song itself. And uh, that's kind of surprising because like I said, it is a rather lengthy song. So the parts themselves, the little parts that you're hearing here might be kind of intense, but they just repeat so long and over and over that it really kind of loses that intensity of being difficult. You're over that initial shock. But as the song goes on, I mean, you have little 
little changes here and there, but really this is the crux of the whole thing. Now that Yamaha, I do believe is programmed, the DX7 that you're hearing the bass on, um, do believe that all that was programmed to run behind. And that is not uncommon for his style of music. So, or at least with him, I should say. Um, the DX7 was a very important keyboard and really uh, opened up the lane for a lot of things to come. So great choice on that. And I love the sound of it too. But that's not enough. Let's check out the version that Keith Emerson recorded for the church or whatever he actually recorded it for. Maybe they just used it in the church. I don't know. The beauty for me in a song like this is that it's very simple, yet there's so much going on at the same time. And whichever version you're listening to, you can just follow one instrument and just, you know, hear so many different things and then go and follow another instrument. And that first instrument will start creeping into your mind. There's just uh, so much going on in the way of dynamics, even though it is obviously very repetitive. But there are uh, other passages where some horns come in. There is another change in the entire process, and it heads on a similar path, but completely differently uh, rushing towards the end. But I love the way this sounds. I love the way things blend together as opposed to the orchestral version, which I also love, but everything is so clear and defined that it makes it almost mushy to listen to because it's just too clear. Whereas this, you're almost listening to it as one or two solid things, unless you really dig in and focus. And I love that contrast between the two different versions of it. I would love to hear some other songs done in this same fashion. Um, I think they could be very interesting if the sounds that are picked for them are are just right. But whichever version you listen to, um, just absolutely stunning piece of music. This is was my introduction to minimalism, and it really drew me in. There's just something about it. I've only written really one song in this vein before, and it was on my Kamu Vole album. But it, uh, it's, it's really something that just kind of, uh, it, it's entrancing, I think, is really the best word I can use. So that's uh, one of my favorites on the album. My, my, another one of my favorites is at the very end. So uh, we have a, a little ways to go before we get there, but there's, there's just some stunning music here. I, I really love the way that song is put together and the way all the sounds support each other. And you can pick them out, but they're all merged as one, you know, almost like a, a tightrope that you're walking down in a way. Um, if you need like a physical representation. So we're going to slow things down a little bit with the next song. It is simply titled Islands. Actually, all the songs on this album 
uh, on the album proper are uh, one word titles. So this one is Islands and let's see what it has to say. It's a very patient song. You know, it, it's not in a rush to get anywhere. Just like me coming home from Vegas, you know, when I lived in Phoenix, there was there was no rush in getting home. You know, you're kind of like, the trip's over. All I have to look forward to is a bunch of emails and stuff to do when I get home. You know, got to clear off that plate before I can start working on music or writing a book or whatever. And um, I was probably doing that in Vegas anyway. But it, it just it just takes you along. You know, there's no rush. You can just enjoy the scenery, enjoy the open road, enjoy the water, wherever it is, wherever you're at, and not be too distracted by all these interruptions and all these different things that that come in into our lives. Very simple, very straightforward. There is a really beautiful part that comes in a little bit later where um, a couple of different woodwinds kind of cross over each other. And it, it just, it's so powerful without having a lot of power in the music. I love that. I love how you can take something simple and elegant like this. Elegant is such a good word for this song um, and still have some powerful uh, passages in it without it being like, you know, powerful, like a rock song or a metal song or something like that. It's just a, a lovely piece of music. So if you're looking for something to just kind of, you know, not be too serious about, just kind of put on and drift away with, this is a, a really good song. So I would recommend Islands for that. The next song up, um, this is this is a pretty crazy one, actually. It's called a rubric. Thank you. 
I would have to sum up this song with the word relentless. It it pretty much is, you know, once once you get in that car, you are going for a ride. It's a little bit reminiscent of the song Flow, that da 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 type motion to it. And um, they're obviously, you know, it, it's part of a whole project. These aren't just individual songs that were stuck together on an album. You know, these songs are are a part of something that's a, a bigger collective. And so there's little touches on different songs uh, here and there throughout the album. And then you get to the uh, In the Upper Room stuff, and you've got basically the same thing there, but just a different set of music. So uh, yeah, this is a really great song. There's a lot of twists to it as it goes on, just different changes, different inflections, focuses on different instruments. And that's the other thing too, is that in this kind of music where it's repetitive, sometimes he'll bring up one instrument to be the main focus and drop that down and bring up something else. Even though it's repeating, you're kind of getting a different experience every time. And I really like that too, or with every pass, I should say. But it's great stuff. This has such great energy to it. You can really hear that Yamaha DX7 covering the bass notes. Um, Just a very powerful journey and one that I am happy to take over and over and over again. It's a great car song, too. It really is. Um, But it's interesting, you know, and you you think about the song flow and there's this flow to the album where it's like it starts out all mellow, then it goes up in, in intensity to flow and then it goes down a little more mellow to islands, then comes back up again for rubric. And it's a it's a really um, a good variety. And you're not just listening to these slow songs that are going to put you out after a while. Like some people can't listen to audiobooks. I would imagine there's a lot of people that can't listen to this style of music. For the same reason, it's too mesmerizing. You you just get lost in it and you kind of forget that you're even listening to music sometimes. And I think for a lot of people, that might be a turnoff. But for me to just be able to get into a piece and not have to be analyzing it or using my brain too much to enjoy it, whereas I tend to be like, oh, well, what was that thing they just did and go back and rewind it and go, oh, okay. And what was that thing? You know, and just be really focused on the um, intricacies of it. Whereas this music is really designed to sometimes be intricate, but really just to the repetitive point of you don't have to pay attention to every time it's repeated. You can just enjoy the sound of it and not have to be intellectualizing the whole thing. And uh, that's one thing I think really attracts me to this album overall. But Rubric is a little bit more cerebral, I would say. Uh, It does take a little bit of... um, paying attention if you like. You don't have to, but it's probably going to draw you in at a couple of points, I think at least. But there's some really cool variations I love, and uh, it's just a, a great piece of music for me. Continuing on our ride, we are now at Facades.
it's a little bit more uh, like islands in the way of feeling. It's a lot more gentle. Um, I, I kind of picture a couple different things. I mean, obviously, I picture the road because that's the uh, visual that I tend to have being that I listened to this album so much while I was traveling. But I also kind of see this just like looking out at waters that are really choppy and just watching the waters do their thing, you know, bounce up and down and um, splash into little bits of miniature waves crashing against each other. I think it fits that visual very well. Um, but you're going to you're going to take to it whatever you do. And that's fine. That's the beautiful thing about music is we can all listen to the same piece, have completely different experiences and completely different memories and associations and that. I love that. But for me, that's what I get. And and just listening to those strings really is just that autumn feel, almost like uh, if I were driving through a forest, which I could see or walking through a forest. Um, but just so gentle, so subtle and beautiful at the same time. It's, it's again, very powerful without being powerful. And I love that. I just love that. It's It just carries me away on its just gentle, gentle cloud of audio. Definitely one to listen to. And now we're we're hitting the last track on the proper album. This is much like we had opening. This is called Closing. To me, this song is very much like an overture only at the end. Um, it, it plays inflections of little bits of the different songs that were on the album, but it mostly patterns itself as opposing the original uh, opening of the album because it's uh, it's basically the same parts, but done with uh, the orchestra instead of just piano with some orchestra coming in. Uh, it's a very lovely, uh, a, a reprise, I guess, would really be more accurate of a term, but because you're getting little inflections of some of the other songs too, like Rubric and Flow, a um, little bit of uh, of uh, Islands, it's just a, a really nice piece to end the album on. And it really seems like the album goes fast, even though there's, you know, there's there's only six songs, so of course it's going to, but the songs can be a little bit long. But if you're not, you know, if you're not awake and focused and, and alert, you're probably not going to realize how much time passes while you listen to the album. Because if you're just drifting away with the music, time kind of doesn't exist in that in that time, for lack of a better word. Um, but it's almost like time is suspended while you're listening because it's just uh, an album that takes you away from the world, away from everything that's going on. The stresses, the problems, the arguments, the politics, all the things that we're dealing with these days. Uh, just a beautiful album to listen to. And it's one that if you uh, like instrumental music, if you like stuff that you can just relax and enjoy, uh, this would be an album that I would highly recommend. But I would re recommend getting the deluxe edition because the songs that we're going to get into now, 
There's five tracks from what's just simply labeled as Glass in the Upper Room Dance. And that's it. That's that's all they say. So uh, we're going to get into the first one now. The first one is, is actually dance number one, but uh, it really seems to fit nicely on this album. These all do. And maybe that's why they chose these particular uh, pieces from this suite. Um, they really work with the other songs. They're they're different. I mean, they have their own character to them, but they're kind of on theme with the uh, the structure and the gentleness and all that uh, until they're not. So here is the first one, dance number one. This is a very short song. There's actually not much more to it than I just played for you. But what really gets me is the the hypnotic repetition of the strings. Uh, I love that. But also the bass notes. There's some very gentle and beautiful bass notes that are being played here. And hopefully, depending on how you're listening to the podcast, you could hear them because they're they're actually quite lovely, very tasteful, very interesting. Um, just just really help move that along. But it's a it's a short but beautiful piece of music and a great way to kick off this suite. The next song is dance number two. just love these beds of sounds that he creates with strings and they're they're intricate and they're interesting but they're also hypnotizing at the same time just really just takes all my attention and then there's that other string line that you're hearing on top of that that's just adding a little bit of hey what's that going on over there really beautiful very gentle i love that the song goes on to have some other instruments added and some other changes in the strings but it's a, a another beautiful piece of music, another one that very much fits with everything that we've heard today. And uh, as you can hear, very on par as far as the way that the strings are written and performed. 
So that brings us to, believe it or not, dance number three. love the addition of the percussion on this. You know, it's more on the high-end um, tingy percussion, but uh, I, I do enjoy the sound of that. I like the uh, the rhythm of it being added. But uh, the triangle playing is really nice, too, and it's something that you really don't hear a lot in music. Even in classical music, you don't hear the triangle a ton, or at least in the stuff that I know I don't. But I really like the addition of that here, and it's another one that's kind of hypnotic. It's just that pulse you know, except in this time, instead of coming from the strings, it's coming from the woodwinds, which I would imagine would be much more difficult, especially as the song goes on. That's got to be somewhat tiring. So I, I don't think I have the sheet music for this piece, but I would imagine it's quite the same, you know, use two players or four players and alternate as needed. Um, so you just keep that rhythm going without missing a single beat. But also you're not, you know, you don't have players that are passed out in their chairs halfway through. That's very important if you want the music to sound good, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's another good song. I mean, and, and it's interesting to me, too, how well these songs from In the Upper Room really fit in with the songs from Glassworks. But also, this one is the first one that I feel is really like a dance. You know, I, I could picture people in, you know, ball gowns or maybe masks and uh, just like, you know, in a giant ballroom and having a good time, but doing a dance to this kind of music a little more so than the others, although I'm sure... I guess for the others, I'm I'm picturing more like interpretive dance and this. I'm picturing like an actual structured event sort of thing. But either way, I mean, the music is is uh, just a joy to listen to. And uh, it's a great journey. The percussion is great. It's It's a wonderful addition. The first time we're really hearing a whole lot of percussion. So it's a nice way to change thing up, th- change things up while also keeping them in that minimalistic form. So that brings us to no, not dance number four, dance number eight. We're jumping ahead.
much like opening, this is just another beautifully played piece of piano music. It knows when to hit the notes hard. It knows when to be gentle. Uh, it really just brings you on a bit more of an emotional journey. It kind of like tugs you, lets you go, tugs you, lets you go. And you're just constantly weaving back and forth through it. It's a really, really wonderful piece. And then, you know, of course, throughout the the course of the song, we start getting other instruments added in. And uh, they just add layers to what you're hearing. But basically, the the structure of the song, like most of his songs, is right what you're hearing now. And it just, it builds and little things are taken away as it builds and evolves. Just a stunning piece of music. And, you know, if if this is the kind of music that you're into, or one of the kinds that you're into, I really think this is an album that you'll enjoy because it just... The whole thing is very much like like I've said on every song, like it sucks you in, it takes you on a journey, it's really hypnotic. I, I think I've used those adjectives on on everything, haven't I, or just about. And maybe not so much the faster songs like Flow or Rubric, but um, d- definitely uh, the majority of the album will do that on the slower songs, the mid-tempo songs, and uh, it's just a joy to listen to, uh, absolutely. And that brings us to our our last track. The track is Dance 9 from In the Upper Room. And this one uh, is is one of my favorites. I listen to this a lot. This one uh, kind of sets itself apart from the others for me because this is one I especially listen to around the holidays when I would go to my brother's for Thanksgiving or Christmas or really any time in that stretch of year where it's really colder out, even in the desert. Uh, this is a song that that I would like as soon as I get in the car, I want to hear it. And this is uh, a really uh, personally, it's it's a very touching piece for me. It's energetic. It's got a beautiful vocal to it. We're hearing a lot more percussion in it. Um, well, just listen to it and see what you think. So again, this is a little bit reminiscent of flow and rubric with that pattern to it. But here we've got a lot more percussion. I love the snare in this. I think it's it's fantastic. I also love that it's not really in your face. I mean, it's it's there, it's present, you notice it, but it's really uh, muted in the mix. And I think it really works well for this song because the snare could easily dominate when it's the only you know major drum 
happening here. But we've got a little other percussion. You know, we've got the triangle back. We've got some really beautiful uh, instruments just playing together. And this is this song's a little bit more of an adventure. It does have a vocal to it. Um, I don't think those are actual words, at least not as far as I know. But overall, yeah, it's just a fantastic piece of music, and I really, really enjoy it. It's it's one that really, it, being at the end of the whole album, really just ends on a perfect note for me. It ties everything up. It gives us inflections of the proper Glassworks album, but it's also part of the In the Upper Room suite. And it just, it it is magic how that piece works together. I have no idea if that was intentional or if that was an after the fact that, that hey, you know what? I wrote this stuff. And I wrote that stuff that really does kind of go together. Let's release that all together on an album. I would really love to hear the rest of the uh, In the Upper Room songs. I don't know how many they are. Obviously, I know there's at least nine, um, but we're only getting five of them here. So there's at least four. I don't know what they sound like. I've looked for them and I've not been able to find obtainable copies. So uh, it has been a little intriguing. Um, There's, I think, one or two that I can get, but I'm really trying to find the whole thing. So, uh, but it's just such a wonderful album. I couldn't help but to share it with you. Definitely something that for me fits the season. Maybe it will for you too, or maybe it will now because you're hearing it in whatever season you're hearing it in. But I hope that you enjoy this album as much as I do. It's It's a real piece of art to me and something that has a lot of personal meaning for me at least. So check it out. Philip Glass, Glassworks, the expanded edition. Thank you guys for hanging out with me for another album review. I'm having so much fun doing these, sharing these uh, bits of music that really mean something to me. And there's some I've been holding back in in hopes of some other podcast opportunities, but I'm getting to the point where it's about time to hang up the hat on those, I think, and maybe just do some reviews coming up in the coming months. We got a ways to go yet. 300 episodes, you know, we're only this far. So we got a, a long ways to go. I've got guests lined up. I've got albums to review. Got cool stuff happening. So thank you guys for joining me. I hope you have a wonderful week. Check out Uriah Heap, the Musicians podcast. Please leave me a rating if you're enjoying this show uh, on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Doesn't have to be a five-star rating if you don't think it should be, but any rating would be nice. And if you'd like to say a few words about the show, leave a review. That'd be awesome as well. Thank you very much, guys. You take care. See you next week. <laughs>